All right, take your Bibles, take your Bibles out and turn them to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 25. First Peter chapter two and verse twenty-five. The Bible says, "For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls." Our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is likened here in this verse to two things. First, He's likened to, our, to a shepherd. And He's likened to shepherd by Peter. Peter is who's writing uh, this book. And when Peter was a new follower of Jesus, when Peter was a new disciple of Christ, he was there when Christ... Uh, preached or, or did, had his discourse on the good shepherd. Remember that in, in John chapter 10 where Jesus said, And the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. He says that also in that discourse on, on the good shepherd, he says, And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep Follow him, for they know his voice. And of course, we know as as Christians, as believers, that really sums it up. On, on our walk, it's just following Christ, just following the Shepherd. He says simply here, and makes it so easy for all of us to understand in the discourse of the Good Shepherd. In verse seven, he Jesus says, "I am the door of the sheep." He says, by me, if any man enter in, he will be or shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He said, I am. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And I like this. And the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. How easy is it to follow a leader like that? How easy is it to follow the shepherd that, that didn't say, hey, I want you to follow me for my own gain. He says, look, I'm going to lay down my life for you. The king, the creator left heaven, came down here to earth for us and gave himself. I mean, he gave it all. The creator gave it all for us. The good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep. You know what Christ is to us? Obviously, as we call ourselves Christians to be Christ-like. Christ is our example. Amen. You see, you, you have your Bible open there in 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 21. He says, For even here unto your call, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps. Peter said, Hey, whew, Christ, He was an example. He was an example, and as we follow Him, follow in His footsteps, you know, Christ being our, our, our prototype, our standard, our pattern, you know, as we're following Christ, we're heading the right direction. All of us as believers, all of us as Christians, should study the life of Christ. 
the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I believe that they're alive. I believe that they're living. And as we read those, I believe that we will get out of them what we need in our walk and in our life at that time. Uh, just just recently went through the Gospels and I saw things in there. The Lord spoke to me in ways I've never seen before. I believe that that's true for all of us. And as we look to Christ, as we look to Him, look, sometimes it's easier for us to look at other people. Sometimes it's easier for us to look at institutions and look at, look at things like that as our example and try to follow them. But you know, it doesn't take very long of us following each other or us following an institution before that gets kind of ugly. It gets kind of messy. But it's so original and it's so real when it's when we're following Christ and when it's a relationship with Him, when we're, when we're walking with Him and following after Him. He is our shepherd. He says something else here though. He doesn't just call us call him Christ, our Savior, the shepherd. He calls Christ the bishop. And he says that he's the bishop of our souls. Of our souls. The bishop of our souls. You know, a bishop is an overseer. A spiritual, a spiritual overseer. That's a bishop. And Christ is the overseer of our souls. For those that have received him. Those that have believed on him. In other words... It is Christ that secures our soul. It is Christ. Well, I'll tell you, when we realize that that Christ is the bishop, that Christ is the caretaker of our souls, doesn't that give us some sort of security? I mean, just, just, it's almost like safety. When we trust that someone, you know, when someone's taking care of you that is as powerful as God, spoke the world into existence, and someone is caring for you, not just that is as powerful as him, but it loves you as much as he does. There is no one that has proven their love to us more than Christ has. He just said the, the good shepherd lays down his life for, uh, for the sheep. And, and when, when the good shepherd, when the overseer has laid down his life, he's proven his love toward us. And he's proven his power. And then he says he is the bishop, the overseer, the protector of our souls. I'll tell you, that gives us some sort of security that, you know, kind of no matter what goes on here on earth, for those that have received that free gift of salvation, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is security. Amen. You know, in Colossians chapter 2, the, Paul talks about this, this operation. He calls it the circumcision made without hands that God does to an individual when they accept Christ. And he talks about how that he removes that flesh, the body, the carnal uh, part, away from the soul. And he makes alive the soul. And he, he, you know, he called born again. He makes alive. He quickens that soul and that spirit. And he separates them. That's, and then he takes and he secures it. He talks about the Holy Spirit secures our soul, seals our soul until the day of redemption. Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read a few verses here. In Romans chapter 8, verse 35, Paul says this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's a question. He asks a question. And so we should think about that. Think as if he was asking you, who's going to separate you from the love of Christ? The one that laid down his life for you, who's going to separate you from the love of Christ? He said, "Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sore?" 
Paul answers his own question in verse 37. He says, no, nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him, through Christ. You know what I believe this morning? That we can have a victorious Christian life. We can be victorious in Christ or through Christ. We are secure in Christ. He can help us. He says that loved us. Uh, He says, for I am persuaded that neither death you know, that's a big one, isn't it? <laughs> you know, death, that's a big one. That's kind of one we, what we all worry about from time to time. We're afraid of dying. But he says, you know, death's not going to separate us from the love of Christ. That's actually just going to bring us closer. He said, death's not going to do it. He said, nor life, nor angels. Angels can't separate us from Christ. He said, nor principalities. Uh, no evil power can separate us from Christ. He said, there's actually no power that can separate us from from Christ. He said, there's nothing present that can separate us from Christ or or things to come. He said, you know, a lot of times we worry and have fear about what the future, you know, things to come. He said, things to come, those things won't separate us from the love of Christ. He said, uh, height or depth or any other creature, anything other creature, you know, that we can think of or we thought of. He says, uh, they are not able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. You know, our Christianity, our Christianity is not insurance. Uh, but if it was, that would be a good policy. I would say that that covers just about everything. There is no loopholes in that one right there. That would be good insurance. But you know what I believe? He gave us something better. He gave us assurance. Yeah, he gave right. us assurance that He is there with us. And, and He will allow us to be secure in Christ. To have that security. You know what I believe? That Christ wants us. He wants us to be secure. He does. He, wants, he, doesn't, he doesn't want His children, those that He loves. He doesn't look. If He's the shepherd and we're the sheep, if He's the bishop and overseer of us, He does not want us to be insecure. He wants us to know that He loves us and He's got it under control. He wants us to be safe. And to know that in Him and following Him and work with Him that He's saved. Now that doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy and that we're not, our faith is not going to be challenged and our faith is not going to be pressed. Um, we're not going to at times be tested. But He wants us to know, hey, you can put your faith in the Good Shepherd that has promised to never leave us or, or forsake us. You know what that is? That is rest. Can you, can't you just rest in that? That security that Christ gives us. The Im- there was an immigrant from Ireland. And when he, when he immigrated here, he became a, a dentist. He was also a Civil War veteran. His name was Henry Gilmore. And he penned down these words after receiving Christ. He said, My soul in sad exile was out on life's sea, so burdened with sin and distress. Till I heard a sweet voice saying, make me your choice. And I entered the haven of rest. I yielded myself to his tender embrace. And faith taking hold on the word. My fetters fell off and I anchored my soul. The haven of rest is my Lord. He said, I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wide seas no more. The tempest may sweep over the wild stormy deep. In Jesus, I'm safe evermore. You know what he realized? 
he realized when he received Christ and he put his faith in him, he gave his soul to the bishop. He gave his soul to the good shepherd, and he didn't have to worry about it anymore. That is security. I'm here to tell you as believers in Christ, we can be secure in our eternity. Secure in our eternity. He says in 1 Peter, he calls him the bishop, and he calls him the shepherd. That's who he is. But Peter goes on to say what he is in 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 2. He says, As a newborn babe desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You know how we're going to grow? You go, we all know this. We're going, to grow as, we're going to grow as believers from that state of being a babe in Christ into maturity through what? The word. We know that. Through the word. He says, uh, If so be, verse 3, you have tasted. I like that he said that. That you've tasted that the Lord is... Gracious. You know our shepherd, our bishop, he is gracious. You know what gracious means? It means kind, friendly, merciful. It means that that to be gracious means that you have a disposition to forgive offenses. That means that you're you're most apt to forgive folks. You're most haven't you experienced that through Christ? Hasn't that been your experience with him? That he he's uh, he's willing to just give undeserved blessing to us? That's grace. That's, that's the Lord that we serve. David felt the same way about the Lord. In Psalms 34, 6, he said, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Then he said this, Oh, taste and see, just like Peter said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is he that trusteth in the Lord. You know what he says? Once you taste of that security, once you taste of that that safety that the Lord's given us, once you taste of his grace and his goodness and his kindness, he says, man, that is a good, that is a good taste. Peter, Peter says here that the Lord is gracious. And wouldn't you this morning have to, have to uh, agree with Peter on that? That in your life, the Lord, He's been long-suffering. He's been gracious. I don't know what your, what your take on the Lord is or your, your uh, opinion of God is this morning, but my experience has been that He is gracious with me. He is long-suffering with me. You know, I believe that Peter, he understood a few things about grace. He understood a few things about grace. It was Peter that after following Christ and seeing all the miracles of Christ, and seeing all that Christ had done, it was Peter that at a critical at a critical point denied Christ. And not just denied him once, he denied him three times. This is after, this was after Peter was a follower. This is after Peter was a disciple, that he denied Christ three times. And you know what Christ did for him? He welcomed him back into the ministry. You know what? Christ's grace was able to do for Peter. He was able to make him that great apostle that stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the nation of Israel and 3,000 believed. 3,000. You know what? It's the grace of God and salvation. No doubt about it. His grace is so great in salvation. It is, it is offered to anyone and everyone in salvation. 
There is no one that has the corner on the market. There's no denomination, no church, no country, no person, no people that have a corner on the market of salvation. You know what the Bible says? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. you know who Christ came to save? Anyone and everyone that will. You know what else he said? You know the, the example of this that I like is on the cross, the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross, now he wasn't a religious person. He never got a chance to come into a worship service, never got a chance to go to a Bible study, he never got a chance to be a part of anything like that. But you know what the Lord said to him after he believed that he was that he was God's son? He said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. That's grace. That's salvation. God's grace is great in salvation. But you know what? God's grace is also great in our everyday life. I don't know about you, but I need His daily grace. Just like Peter. Amen. You know, if it wasn't for His daily grace and, and helping us and maturing us along, boy, I would be disqualified a long time ago. It's His grace. It's His grace that allows us to walk with Him and fellowship with Him. My soul, His grace is great. <laughs> He's never run short on His grace with me. Mm-hmm. He never has. I've never gone to Him and asked for grace. I've never gone to Him and asked for forgiveness. Or He said, no, it's too much. You've gone too far. I don't believe He'd go that way. I don't think He'd do that with anybody. No. I, I, I've said this many times in here, but I'll say it again. I like the verse where it says, we're sinned and abound. And it's not, it's not hard to look out into the world today and find evil and find find some real darkness, some real bad stuff going on, and and things that we think, oh, that's terrible. That's sin. That's the result of sin. But the Bible says where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. His grace is greater than all of our sin. I mean, that's that's good news for us. That's good news. Look at this. and You have your Bible there in 1 Peter chapter 2. His grace is great. You know, we all like sheep have gone astray. At time to time we stray. It's kind of human. It's kind of, it is our nature at times like sheep to just kind of go astray. But you know, the good shepherd, he's been known to leave the 90 and 9 and go after the 1. That's kind of his, his thing. In First Peter chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, And unto you therefore which believe, for those that have believed, that's the song this morning, we believe, That's who he's talking to. For those that say, we believe, we believe in God the Father, we believe in Jesus Christ, we believe in the Holy Spirit, we believe. For those that believe, he says, for those that believe, he is precious. He is precious. I I like that way of describing Christ. I think it fits him fine. Peter said, you know what Christ is to me? Peter said, you know what Christ is to me? He's precious. You know what precious is? It's a great value, high value, high value. I don't know about you, but ever since Christ has been a part of my life and since I walk with Him and follow Him and, and, and try to uh, uh, believe Him, you know what He's added? He's added value to my life. He don't just add value to my life. He helps me see the value in other people's lives. He's, just, it's just, he's precious. That's what Peter said, and I believe him. I agree with him. He's precious when we believe when we believe, that, that believe is, is tasting. When you believe, you've, t- you've tasted. It, and, and that tasting, is, it adds a whole other dimension. You know, faith, it begins to escort us into that supernatural. Faith, it does. 
You know what? He's not just precious to us, but we're precious to Him. We're precious to Him. You know, the reason why we love Christ is because He first loved us. He first loved us and gave Himself for us. This isn't a long message. It's not a very uh, uh, deep message. But in closing here, there's a call to action. A call to action. You know, this message isn't just for this morning. This message is hopefully something that we can chew on throughout the rest of the week. And through the rest of the week, it would be good for us to identify God's grace in our life. To take time, maybe, and reflect, take time to think, take time in prayer, and see how circumstances throughout our life, how God weaved people and circumstances and, and things into our life. You know what I believe? Sometimes, sometimes it takes folks, not always, but sometimes it takes folks to hit rock bottom in order to look up. Look up to Christ and call on Him and accept Him. You know what that is? Even when you hit rock bottom, that's grace. That's grace. Because, when, because the good thing is that you, you got a hold of Christ, that you found Him. And, and so looking back on life and seeing circumstances and, and situations, maybe major events, that you can look and say, hey, God had His hand in that. Hey, God has His hand in my life. That's yes. grace. Yeah. That's grace. And identifying that grace and God's working in our lives. Hey, just looking back on that great salvation that God's given us. Hey, it doesn't, it's, it's good for us as believers and followers of Christ that every now and again think about his death on the cross and his grace for us. In the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death, his burial, his resurrection for us. That's grace. And you know what begins to happen? You know what begins to happen when we start recognizing God's grace in our life? He becomes precious. He becomes precious. He becomes important to us, high value. That we value Him more, you know, just like the song we sang this morning, Jesus Christ is all I need. When we begin to see His grace in our life, we begin to identify uh, how He is all we need. And you know what? When, When Christ becomes precious to us, this is just a natural reaction. But it causes us to worship Him. Now, worshiping Him can come in any in many different forms, but uh, worshiping Him is what we were created for. And I believe that all of us have a need inside of us to spend time in worship. What greater direction in our life? What greater direction could we be going this week? As Daniel's going to come and sing a song for us for closing, I have a question for us. What greater direction could we go than to follow Christ? Then to follow the Good Shepherd. Then to recognize Him as our bishop. And the overseer, the security and the safety that He gives as the bishop of our souls.